Well, we've been talking about what does God say about different things. We've talked about godliness, marriage, husbands, wives, forgiveness. Today, I want to talk about something a little bit different. Well, it might be similar. Disappointment. Anybody ever been disappointed? I think there's two main venues of disappointment. We're going to talk about one today and then one next week. The first one we're going to talk about today is disappointment with people. Anybody ever been disappointed with people? Disappointment with with spouses, with children, with circumstances, with church, Christians, and next week we'll talk about disappointment with God. Because I think all of that eventually rolls back to God anyways. When things happen, we kind of get disappointed that God didn't work the way we think he should work. But we're going to talk about disappointment with people this morning. And what we can ultimately say is that we're disappointed in something that the person did or didn't do that we think they should or shouldn't have done. We're disappointed that God didn't make my kids obey or make my kids succeed or maybe even saved. We're disappointed that God didn't allow my car to break down, allowed me to have an accident, or that God even didn't allow my church to do whatever we think it should do. So the vantage point today is disappointment with people. Before we start this, we're going to have to deal with our reaction to people. How many get disappointed? How many have been disappointments to other people? That you have let them down. You realize that. The first thing we have to understand is we're probably not going to be able to change or fix the situation. People are going to let us down. How we handle that is what God wants us to look at today. Now, does our disappointment change us or affect us negatively? I think it does if we let it. Well, there's a couple of reasons why that is. The first one is people are sinful. I may agree with that. People are sinful. The phrase, and I had to write it down because I can never remember it, says people aren't sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. Do we notice the difference? That's our nature. Even after we're saved, we always fight that temptation to do wrong. It's always going to be a battle. We wonder why people are the way they are and why God allows bad things to happen to us because of other people. We had a study on this a couple of months ago on a Wednesday night. Without getting, bringing God into the equation, why do people affect us negatively? Why, do, why does God allow bad people to do bad things? Well, it all comes back to free will. How many know we have free will? God doesn't make us do anything. I told the kids today that the reason that God has all these things in the Bible is because he knows it's going to hurt us. If you do this, it's going to hurt you. If you don't do it, it'll negatively affect you. But God gives us the ability to choose. John 7, 17 says, anyone who what? Wants to do the will of God will know whether my teaching is from God or merely my own. Joshua, back when he was getting ready to go into the promised land, he says, basically, choose for yourself. If you're willing to serve the Lord, then choose today who you're going to serve. For free will to exist, people have to be able to do bad things. How many understand that? If God allows us to have free will, that means we have the ability and the will to choose to do bad things. 
and people will always continue to do that. And usually when that happens, it's usually the other people that suffer for that. Now, it may affect you negatively, but generally sin affects more than the person doing it. Adam and Eve sinned, and we're still suffering from that today. David sinned with Bathsheba, and what did it do? It cost Uriah his life. It cost the baby, baby's life. Through no fault of theirs, they were affected by David's sin. Sinful people do sinful things, and innocent people are going to suffer. And that ultimately leads to disappointment with God, and we'll get into that next week. But right now we're talking about how we deal with being disappointed in the way that people act towards us, or maybe people act in general. How many realize that sometimes believers let you down? Nobody ever been let down by another Christian? And what will happen is you will ca- it will cause you to be disappointed in the person. You'll look at them and wonder where they are. 2 Timothy 4.10 says this. Paul writes before he's, he knows he's, he's getting ready to go be with the Lord. He says, Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of this life and has gone to Thessalonica. Now, to understand what that means, you have to go back and look for Demas. Demas was a helper of Paul. He was one of Paul's guys. He's in inner circle with Paul. In Philemon 23, it says this. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings. So do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, who are my co-workers. So these are people that were tight with Paul. There wasn't an outsider, it was a Christian. And he left the faith to go be with what it says there. He likes the things of this life more than he likes God. So he let Paul down, and I'm sure at the end of his life, Paul was disappointed. Disappointed in Demas and what his choices were, and possibly even disappointed in himself, and we're gonna talk about this in a little bit, that he, he couldn't have a positive effect on Demas, enough to make Demas make the right choice. But again, that goes back to free will. As much as Paul, and who's more spiritual than Paul? If Demas left, Paul had nothing to be disappointed in himself with because he did the best that he could do to to minister to this guy, and yet he made the choice to, to leave. How many have ever watched the old TV show, MASH? I haven't watched it for a while, but I remember it was the first season it was out, and there was one line in it, and I've remembered it since then. And if you're familiar with the show, Alan Alda's character, Hawkeye Pierce, he was a doctor in an ma- uh, army hospital. And his job was to fix up all the wounded guys that came in. And so their first season, a lot of these soldiers were dying. And he was getting all frustrated with that, and... and he was talking to his captain, and he was saying, you know, why, why are all these things happening? And the captain says this. He says, there's two rules to war. The first rule is young men die. The second rule is doctors can't change rule one. You know, I thought about that, and that, that applies to a lot of areas. Rule number one, Christians are going to let you down. Rule number two, God's not going to change rule number one. How do we react to that? It's all upon us. We can't let our disappointment with other people negatively affect our walk with God. We're not gonna be able to change how people live, how people behave, but we can make it 
make sure that it doesn't affect us. Because if we depend on other people's emotions and other people's actions to dictate how we live, then we are going to lose our walk as Demas lost his. It says, he was enthralled with the things of the world. He wanted everything that was in the world more than he wanted things of God. Again, through no fault of Paul's, it was a choice he made, and Paul was disappointed with that, but it didn't change his walk. If our walk with God and relationship with him is built on how others behave and how others live their lives, you are going to be disappointed. So we know people are sinful. Second point is people are human. People are human. People may let you down, not in a sinful way, but they may let you down in the choices they make and they may be equally good choices. Acts 15, 38 says, but Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not shared in their work. Now you know the story. Beginning of Acts, Paul and Mark set out. Paul was a confrontational, in-your-face kind of guy. Mark was more laid back. He was, you know, wasn't comfortable with Paul's method. And so somewhere along the line, he, he just left. Mark left. He, did, he couldn't stand working with Paul anymore, so he left. And that brought a little animosity in Paul's life. And so what happens is, over time, now both of them made good decisions. Both of them were directed if you look at the old book of Acts, both of them had prosperous ministries. Both of them were blessed by God. So neither one of them had a bad choice. But because of the desertion or because Mark left, it disappointed Paul. But over time, what happened? Paul came back. Paul did that. Paul understand where God was working. You know, sometimes good Christians disagree on issues that are non theological, non-salvation threatening. You can, be, you can disagree without being disagreeable. How many know the difference? The reason we have so many denominations is because we disagree on not salvation issues, but other tertiary issues that, you know, we can agree to disagree on. We don't become disagreeable in the process. Now, I'm not sure if you've been following the news. I think it's been this week. How many have been following John MacArthur? How many know who John MacArthur is? How many know John MacArthur is a, he's an older preacher. He's been around for a while. He's got a, a seminary. I, I listen to his stuff all the time. Good preacher. I love listening to him preach. However, he and I disagree on some other issues. You know, Holy Spirit, we disagree on that. And that's fine. He's still a good preacher. I listen to him. I listen to David Jeremiah. We disagree on that issue, but he's a good preacher. Well, this week, John MacArthur, his stance has always been, you know, no women in ministry. Okay, that's fine. We can agree to disagree on that. But he came out and at a conference kind of slammed Beth Moore. I mean, who Beth Moore is. And, I mean... It's been, if you read all the Christian blogs, it's been the hot topic of the week. And what, what's the problem with that is you can hold that position and you can still teach it, but you can teach it in a non-disagreeable way. John MacArthur was being very disagreeable in his presentation of that, and now the problem is all the good stuff he's doing, no one's paying attention to because of this issue. 
They're all like, I'm not listening to him anymore. He's, you know, it's, it's ridiculous because people are being disappointed in his position. People who differ on non-essentials can both be useful in the kingdom of God. How many realize that? Right? The problem is disagreement on things should not lead to disappointment in people. That's exactly what's happening to John MacArthur. People are now disappointed in him and now not listening to him, and he may have good things to say yet. Just because I disagree with him or David Jeremiah does not mean I'm disappointed in the people. It, my disappointment or my realization that they have differing opinions does not affect my walk. And we shouldn't let our disagreements turn into disappointments. Because, and here's a key verse, the enemy wants nothing more than to divide his people. What did Jesus say about when they said, oh, he's, he's delivering demons because he's powered by Satan? He said, no, a house divided against itself will fall. The church divided against itself will fall. The, the, the quote that MacArthur made, what do people looking in from the outside think about that? Because it's all over the news now. It's everywhere, even secular news. Christians are fighting again. Christians can't get along. Christians are, are doing these things that they tell us not to do. And what happens is, now we become what we don't want to be. We become just like everybody else. Jesus says, people will know you're my disciples. Why? Because you agree theologically? Because you never differ on what you think or preach? No, you know my disciples because you have love for each other. You may not agree with someone's decision or choice, but you still love that person. The love of God should still be poured out through you into that person. You can't let their choices, which are equally as good as yours, make you end your relationship or end something in your life or become disappointed to the point where now it affects your walk. How many people, when Ted Haggard fell, or Baker, or Swagger, any of those other guys, when they all fell, how many Christians now kind of walked away from the faith? Why? Because they were disappointed in a person, and therefore they became disappointed in their faith. And well, it can't be true because this person did this, or that person did that. Rather than having a relationship built with Christ, they were now beginning to have a relationship with Christ through people. And as I said before, people are gonna let you down. If you follow any person, you can't follow them to the point where your, your faith and your walk is dependent on them because they will let you down. I'm gonna let you down, I guarantee you. At some point, I'm gonna let you down. But your walk with Christ should not be affected by what I do. You should have that relationship for yourself. As Paul matured and he became to understand this, he says in 2 Timothy 4.11, again, near the end of his life, no one's with him. He says, only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you. Why? Because he is helpful to me in my ministry. He realized that his knee-jerk reaction to Mark's different personality was wrong. Rather than being offended by him and disappointed in him and it possibly affecting his walk for a while, he realized 
that he was still an asset, that God still used someone who's not just like him. I mean, you know that if we were the same, we would all be redundant, right? Everyone's different. 1 Corinthians 12, we're all parts of the body. Each of us work differently. Each of us have different gifts and talents and abilities. People are created differently, and we shouldn't be disappointed in their differences because their differences might be beneficial to God's kingdom more than you are. You may be able to reach people that I'll never reach, and vice versa. Your differences, your idiosyncrasies, what you like to do, things that, again, not sinful, but different choices, personalities, what do you like? That is able to reach people with, with the gospel that I'll never reach. You have that ability. And if we start neglecting people who don't think and talk and act like us, then we're gonna miss out on what God wants to do. Gil sent me an article the other day about... Uh, the, the Christian faith is, is growing in the world, but it's shrinking in America. Now, why is that? I think there's two reasons for that is our prosperity, for one. We have everything. We don't really need God for our next meal, or we don't need God to provide us clean water or whatever. Christianity is, is exploding in places that, like China, in, in Africa, where it's either against the law or very discouraged to serve God, people are growing there. Why? Because they realize they have nothing, and God is providing them everything. And we have, in fact, our lesson today in Sunday school for our kids was about Hosea, and it, the verse was this. It says, God says, I fed them, and they were satisfied, and then their satisfaction turned into pride, and they walked away. Why? Because God gave them everything they needed, and then they no longer needed God. And we've gotten to that point now, and I think the second reason is we've sometimes, as Christians, we might lose our focus a little bit. And I'm as guilty as the next person. When you follow the things that are going on in the world, you get really involved in the, the aspects of you know, politics or whatever's going on. To the, to the back burner, maybe, of the, the mission of the church is to preach the gospel, correct? That's our reason for being. We can worship God in heaven, we can pray in heaven, we can read the Bible, we'll know the Bible in heaven. What's the thing you can't do when you're in heaven? Tell other people about heaven. And so we focus on what we want in the things of the world, like Demas, we become enthralled with all the things that are going on and we kind of forget why we're here. And a lot of times we use people as excuses for that. Well, so-and-so did this, so you know what? I'm not gonna be involved anymore. I was hurt, so I'm not gonna step out anymore and do anything. That person said something mean to me, so you know what, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be involved in God's work anymore. And what's happening is God's house is now getting divided. People, the enemy is using disappointment in people to make us stop working to make us stop doing what God's called us to do and a lot of times we can we can wallow in that we can really be upset with people for the choices that they make or decisions that they do that again aren't sinful but they're not choices that you may have made we uh in our house we've never 
We've never drank. We never did. The Bible doesn't condemn drinking. Let me understand that. It condemns drunkenness. And I, we have a lot of good friends who have a wine with dinner or a beer with dinner. And you know what? I am okay with that because it's not sinful. They don't get drunk. That's just their choices, and they're okay with that. And we need to understand that the differences that we have allow us to do what God's called us to do. We can't let everyone be on the outside because we think we're offended by them. People are going to let you down. They're going to disappoint you. And the last part is this. We are people. We're going to disappoint ourselves. We will disappoint ourselves in whatever we did or whatever we didn't do, whatever choices we made or didn't make, how we responded or how we didn't respond to an event or a person. The video, don't you wish you can go back in time and change something? You ever say something and as soon as you say it, you wish you could take it back? Or you do something and you wish you could just not do it? And then you become disappointed in yourself and I think a lot of times this is the enemy's biggest tool because now you begin to hate what you did and you feel disappointed in who you are as a person. It's okay to be disappointed in our actions, but God doesn't want us to be disappointed in who we are. We're believers. We are not the sum total of our, all of our sins and mistakes. Look at Peter and tell me that he was not disappointed in himself to the point where he left. We all know the story about Peter, Jesus saying, you're going to deny me, and Peter said, no, I'll even die with you. In Luke 22, 61, Luke's gospel has this part in it. It says, at, at, the moment, at that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered that the Lord had told him, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you'll deny me three times. And Peter left the courtyard crying bitterly. You ever been that disappointed in your actions? And you just did something that you know God hated. Or that just let somebody down. You did something that you really let somebody down. And Peter was disappointed to the point that he thought himself a failure. He was a failure serving God. In fact, he was so much of a failure to himself, the angel had to make it a point to find him specifically. Mark 16, 7, the angel says, now go and give this message to his disciples, including Peter. You ever feel like a failure? That your actions, your choices, even your sins, just, you classify yourself as a failure. And that's simply being disappointed in yourself on steroids. You're disappointed in what you do, therefore you consider yourself a failure at whatever it is you're trying to accomplish. At the men's conference, we, you know, Gil talked about the boxing example that, that we saw or heard about last week in forgiveness. And he said one thing that I had a double take on and I had to sit down and really analyze it for a moment. He says, there's a difference between losing and failing. I thought, that's okay. How do you get there? Losing is not doing your best and not achieving your desired outcome. 
failing is not doing it at all. Guy was in a boxing match with a, with a professional boxer, and he lost. He lost the match. He said, I lost the match, but I wasn't a failure because I learned how to fight. As Gil said last week, losing is not the same as failing. Because I would have failed if I never got in the ring. That would have been a failure. I would not have allowed God to teach me. The loss did not make him a disappointment in himself. When we blow it and we sin and we become disappointed, we should not become disappointed to the point we think ourselves to be a failure. Because God will use whatever situation in your life that you think is a failure and bring it around and teach you. What's Romans 8, 28? Most things turn out for good to those who love God. Does it say? It says all things. All things. That means every time you blow it, every time you sin, every time you make a bad choice, God can work all that around to good. Look at what Jesus said about the, the talents, the parable of the talents. Jesus said a guy gave three, you know, three men some money, told them to use it until he returns, take care of it. Two of the men invested their money. Now investing, if you're into that, you know you could lose. If you were around in 1929, you lost. If you're around in 2008, you lost. So investing means a possibility of losing the money, losing your investment. One of the guys didn't do anything. He was afraid of losing, so he didn't try. Losing's different than failing. The two guys that invested, they actually made money, but the point wasn't that they, that they made money. The point Jesus was making to the guy who didn't do it, he said, you should have at least put it in a bank and collected interest on it. One guy didn't do anything. That's failing. The two guys invested their money, and even if they would have lost it, I believe Jesus would have said, at least you tried. At least you did something with it. Matthew 25, 29 says this, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who are unfaithful, even what they have, what little they have will be taken away. He rebuked the one who did not try, and he congratulated the ones who did try. So, which of these scenarios describe you best? Are you disappointed in people because they sin against you? Did you trust someone only to have that trust betrayed and caused you pain, maybe through their sinfulness? When Demas deserted Paul, it ultimately didn't affect Paul's walk with Christ. He was about to be martyred and his faith was still strong. People are gonna disappoint you, but your faith can't be in people. Your faith has to be only in Christ. If you were the last person walking with Christ, it needs to be with Christ. 2 Timothy 4, 17 says this about Demas deserting Paul. He says, but the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. God will stand by your side and give you strength when people sin against you and do you wrong. Maybe you're category two, you're disappointed with other Christians. 
They don't do exactly what you think they should do or how you think they should act or things that they believe or do. Do people's walk with Christ and how they live their life before God make you upset? Have you trusted people in leadership and leadership has let you down? If if their choices negatively affect your walk, then then your relationship with Christ needs to be bigger. When Paul and Mark had their disagreements, both had fruitful ministries and Paul came to realize that their differences were both beneficial. Just because we we don't like a decision that someone makes doesn't mean that decision is wrong. It means it's just not, quote, our cup of tea. And we have to understand that God's working in their life just like he's working in mine. And the choices I make, hopefully, are, are prayed about and we choose them. And if you believe the person's a believer, you believe the same thing about them, that their choices that they're making are theirs because God has put that in your heart. And I was in the back in the sound booth before the service, and I was thinking to myself, you know, when we talk about disappointment with people and disappointments that make you, your walk with Christ or even your relationships with each other strained. Do you know what the number one reason that people leave churches? It's not, it's not biblical. It's not theological. It's relational. People leave because they have a problem with somebody else or somebody else hurt them or somebody else did something that, that caused them to be upset. More people leave because of that. And, you know, I don't, I'm not sure if you can change that, but what you want to do is the reason that you're choosing to do something different, is it based on your disappointment with other people or is it based truly on your leading from God? If it's based on your leading from God, then God's going to take care of it. God will put you somewhere that God can use you. God will bless the church you came from. But if you're doing it because it's, you just have a bad feeling about somebody, or maybe someone has a bad feeling about you, then your relationship is, with Christ is built more on your relationship with people than it is with other people, than it is with God. 2 Timothy 4.11, we said it before, only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with me. Bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. People that you think are letting you down now may be the very people that God needs in your life to help you at a later date. If you're disappointed in people, maybe that person God can use to bless you later. And if you choose to sever that relationship or you choose not to reconcile it, then that person's not going to be there for you when you need them to be. And the last point is, are you disappointed in yourself? Do you think yourself a failure because of some of the things you've done or not done? Have your attempts at living right and doing the right thing ended in losing? Lord, I've done everything right. I've done everything you've asked me to do and it's not working out the way I want it to. It's not working out the way I think it should. What am I doing wrong? What did I do wrong? What what sin is in my life that's causing this to happen? I am disappointed in myself, Lord, to the point where I think I'm a failure. God, how can you use me? 
How can you use me a failure? Peter, he went back to fishing. He was done. He denied Jesus, and he, his ministry was done until Jesus says, hey, go find them all, but make it a point to find Peter because he's not going to be with them. God brought him back. Peter wasn't a failure. He lost, but he wasn't a failure. And what happened in John 21? Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? you love me? you love me? And what is, when Peter kept saying, yeah, 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 he says, okay, feed my sheep. Do what I'm asking you to do. Our mistakes, our sins, do not automatically disqualify us from being beneficial to God's kingdom. You may have lost, but you are not a failure. And the choices you make that are not sinful, just choices that you make, God can still bring them around. Maybe they're a bad choice. It wasn't a sinful choice, it was just a wrong choice. Or maybe you, you didn't make a choice, you didn't make a decision, and it caused pain. God is able to bring all of that around. How many, how many really agree with that? that no matter what we do, no matter how we blow it, God is still able to bring that around so that your life is still a blessing to yourself and to others. God can still use you. You are not a failure. You may have lost a few rounds in the world, but you're not, you haven't failed with God. Would you stand this morning? Now next week's going to be a little bit tougher because we're going to look at that disappointment with God. Anybody been disappointed with God? Oh, no one's hands going up. No one here has ever been disappointed with God. That God didn't do things the way you thought he should. That things didn't work out the way you thought they should. That God didn't work in your time frame. Would you bow your heads for a moment? Keep going back to the verse. They will know they're my disciples because of their love for one another. Love usually means sacrifice. Love usually means doing things for others that you wouldn't do for anybody else. Love means offering forgiveness when you don't feel like you should forgive. Love means understanding the person and their choices and their decisions and their lifestyle more than you understand it. There's a lot of things that people do in our lives, choices that they make, that we become disappointed in their lifestyle. And a lot of times we blame ourselves for that. Well, they wouldn't be this way if I didn't do this or I had said this or I didn't do that. People have their own free will to do that. It doesn't make them wrong. It doesn't make them sinful. It makes them different. And if your family's like mine, four kids are all different. They all have different likes, different dislikes, different attitudes, they're all different. And God's kids 
are all different. We have different likes and different dislikes and different attitudes and different things that God wants to mold, use each one of us individually to accomplish a great work. When Jesus says, greater works than these you'll do. That's what he's talking about. Not greater in, in the miracle department, but greater in number. He was one guy. He had 12 guys. We are millions of Christians with millions of different characteristics and idiosyncrasies and things that God can use in your venue and wherever you are at. And if we allow disappointment with other people to get in, it will effectively block what God wants to do in us. Because all we'll do is think about the offense that happened to me. And I'm disappointed in that person, so therefore I can't serve God fully. Because look at what they're doing. Look at how they acted. I'm disappointed. Why couldn't they have done it the way I wanted them to do it? Father, thank you. Thank you for reaching down into our lives. Your word says to be, to give thanks in everything. And we do. It's hard, but we do. We don't want to give thanks sometimes when we're disappointed. We don't want to give thanks when people hurt us or sin against us or, or just do things that make us mad. But Father, when your word says we're to give thanks, we give thanks because we know that you can use both scenarios, mine and the other person's, to affect a great outcome for the kingdom of God. Thank you for using me in that manner. And thank you for using that other person in that manner. I'm not disappointed in them. I'm encouraged by what God you can do through them and what God you can do through me. I pray that you would fill each one of us continually with the Holy Spirit, that our lives would exhibit the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, all those things, Lord, we need to live our lives as a reflection of our gratitude for what you've done. We can't do it on our own. We can't. And those of us who have tried doing it in ourselves, we realize we can't. So we need you to fill us. We need you to change my heart. You need you to change my attitude, my thoughts. Lord, I need you to change. Let the Spirit of God renew in me a clean heart. Give me the mind of Christ. Give me wisdom. Give me everything I need to realize that you love me in spite of me sometimes. In spite of all the mistakes I make, you still love me and you still have a plan for me. And as we confess those things and move on, God, we know you have great things in the future for us. Father, I pray your blessings upon each person here. Allow each person to realize that they are a valuable asset in the kingdom of God that they have a job and a ministry that no one else can have. They talk to people that no one else will talk to. 
and each person is equally valuable to what God wants to do in America today. We can't change the world around us, but we can change the people by allowing them to come to know you, which is the ultimate goal. So the people come to know you. Thank you that we know you. And I pray that you would continue to give us opportunity, divine appointments, wisdom, help us to be able to take out of here what we've learned in here to draw people to Christ. Lord, we know that sheep beget sheep. Goats don't get sheep. Cows don't get sheep. Sheep make more sheep. Help us to reach people and allow them to want to be God's sheep. Keep us safe, Lord. Allow us to experience your blessings every day. And we will gladly love you and serve you to the best of our abilities in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Have a great week. Let me know what God's doing in your life, how God's using you in different situations and areas. Testimonies are powerful things.